back into whack, but it, that just didn't sound right, and I didn't want to get in too bad of trouble with Pastor Kathy, so I just called it the balanced life. But, but uh, we used to teach this to the kids in school, that God wants us to live a balanced life. If you look at Luke 2.52, it says, Jesus grew in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and all people. He grew, he grew mentally. He grew physically, spiritually, and socially. Jesus was a well-balanced guy uh, while he was here on earth. And most of us, uh, we might do good in one or two areas, but very, very rarely are we good in all four areas. And as a matter of fact, uh, Jesus is probably the only one that's ever done that real well. Most of us live stressed out every day. Now, I want to give you a stress quiz this morning and see how you do. I want you to finish some of these sentences. I'm at the end of my... Okay, that's uh, yeah, all right. Uh, I'm coming... Unglued, apart, okay. Uh, I, I, my life is falling. Okay. Uh, I'm at my wits. End, okay. I'm really stressed. Okay. Uh, I'm ready to throw in. And that's not just if you're fighting Tyson Fury. I mean, okay. Uh, but uh, you're ready to, you know, I think y'all failed the test, I mean, or passed it, whichever one, you're, you're, you're pretty stressed out, let me give you one more, uh, this is a workaholic test, some of y'all fall into this category, uh, let me ask you, are you always in a hurry, just show a hand, I mean, anybody besides me, you're behind somebody going the speed limit, and you're going, moron, I can't believe you're going that slow, I mean, you know, okay, I mean, uh, is your to-do list always unrealistically long okay some of y'all uh do you use days off to catch up with unfinished work all right bunch of us all right uh has more than one person told you to slow down all right yeah uh do you feel guilty when you relax uh all right some of y'all still with me uh do you do you get sick do you have to get sick to take time off When I left work in the hospital, I left for like three months of vacation built up. It was crazy. And, uh, you know, uh, but uh, somebody said, you know, a workaholic when all their Christmas cards come from business associates. I mean, you know, uh, that's not a good place to be. Somebody did a poll, and most Americans say they would like to slow down and relax. But the fact is, most Americans were spending eight to ten hours less in recreation uh, per week than we were, say, 20 years ago. You know, I mean, it's just we don't slow down. I remember on my first mission trip, Pastor Kathy's first one to get me out of the country, and we went to South Africa. And I lugged, I mean, you know, I, I like small on my laptop. You know, that, that thing, that's why I carry a small one. I had a big one back then, and this is why I carry small. That thing weighed a ton. And, and I had it in my backpack, and I took it to South Africa, and I had my Palm Pilot with me. And, you know, it took me a week to stop looking at my to-do list or my calendar. I'm in, I'm in South Africa. I'm totally at someone else's control, the, the guy that was carrying us around doing mission work. I couldn't, my, my calendar didn't mean a thing, but anybody with me, you've done that? Or how about this, you're on, when COVID lockdown came, how many of you, you got up to go to work and it's like, oh, yes, there's no work to go to. You know, why am I putting on? Regular work clothes when I can't do anything but hang around the house, you know. And then, and then by the end of it, we all got used to, used to wearing tennis shoes and shorts and T-shirts, right? You know, it was, a, it was good finally. But, but, you know, for a lot of Americans, 
the American dream has become stress, anxiety, and depression. So then we've got others in our culture that think that the government, that's you and me that work, owe them a living and support. And so you've got stress there as well. And, and so, uh, you know, so today we're going to continue the series, Values to Live By. And we're going to take a look at a quality that we all admire in other people, but we very rarely uh, do or we ignore in our own life, and that's called balance. Now, let me ask you, show of hands, how many of you would like to live a balanced life? I mean, you would like, uh, you know, to be smart, good-looking, healthy, spiritual, all those things, you know, but, uh, you know, popular, all that. Uh, but like I said, the only one that's ever done all those things was Jesus. And, uh, and so being out of whack or out of balance, let me just tell you this morning, it's a sin that we all need to, to work on. Because God wants us to live a balanced life. I mean, if you think about it, the principle of balance is a universal thing. Let me give you some examples. The earth is perfectly balanced. It's that the, it rotates without vibrating. How many of you ever had a tire on your car? It vibrated out of balance? That'll drive you crazy. Imagine if this planet was out of balance and it was spinning. We'd just all be shaking, you know. That's kind of like an earthquake all the time. We don't want that. If, if it tilted one or two degrees in a, in a different direction, part of the planet would burn up and part of the planet would freeze. I mean, it just, you know, it, it's perfectly located for us to be able to live. Nature has different, its system of ecosystems, and, and the tiniest variation can create a ripple effect in the rest of it. I mean, in other words, nature has its built-in checks and balances. How many of you like geckos? How many of you like them trying to always get in your house when you're coming in? You know, but the good thing about geckos is they eat the bugs that are wanting to come in your house. And, uh, and so, you know, it's got this system. Architecture. Buildings are built to, to, to uh, spread out the load and balance uh, so that the building will stand. You know, and if a building gets out of balance and that load's not balanced right, building's coming down. And so we need to understand that. The human body has nine systems. Circulatory, respiratory, central nervous, digestive, skeletal, endocrine, excretory, how about that one, uh, lymphatic, and muscular system. Some of y'all have bigger muscular systems than others. But anyway, uh, but balance is important with all that. And, and if you get sick, one of your systems is out of balance. One of your systems is out of balance. And, and so that's basically, you know, what's going on. And, and so uh, when... When you're, when you're recovering, balance is the process of being healed, of, of healing. And, uh, and so, um, you know, it, it's, uh, you go to a doctor to get, whether it's to get an adjustment in your skeletal system or, or medicine to help with something else, that's part of it. And so when you get sick, you're really, you're out of balance. Your body will always keep score on whether we're in balance or not. Matter of fact, the psalmist said this. It said it's senseless for you to work hard from early to morning till late at night fearing that you'll starve to death. For God wants his loved ones to get their proper rest. Did you know God is concerned with how much rest you and I get? He wants those people he cares about to get enough rest. Guess what? He's concerned about you when you're stressed as well. He's concerned when we live in life out of balance because he wants us to be balanced. So here's the, here's the deal. When we're out of balance, we're not in God's will. So today we're going to look at some principles. We're going to use the word balance as an acrostic. Uh, and we're going to talk about how we can be balanced in our life because we need to be balanced in our life. So number one, write this down. You need to build your life around Christ. I've got to build my life around Christ. Jesus is the only one ever built a balanced life, so I'm going to put him at the center of my life. Now, 
I want you to think like a wheel here. Uh, you know, if you put Jesus at the center, he's like that hub in the middle of the wheel. And, and each area of our life are the spokes that go out. And if you put Jesus in the middle, whether well, if he's in, the, in that hub, if that hub is, is strong, all the spokes going out are going to be in good shape, whether it's your goals, whether it's your health, whether it's your social life, whatever it is, if that hub is right, then the spokes will be good. And so it's important because that controls everything else. If that hub isn't right, it doesn't matter about the spokes. They're going to be out of whack. They're going to bend. They're going to do whatever. And, uh, you know, so it controls everything. So we've got to make sure we're putting at the center of our life the right thing. And if it's anything other than Jesus, it's not the right thing. And so, um, and so you, know, uh, think, you know, think of it like that. I mean, let me ask you, what's at the center of your life? I mean, think about it. Is it family? Is it hobbies? Is it work? Is it hunting? Is it possessions? Is it even a relationship? If it's anything besides Jesus, all those other things are going to get back. Now, here's how you know what's at the center. What do you think about the most? What, do, what are you thinking about the most? Uh, you know, uh, if, you, if it's at the center of your life, that will, that hub, then if it's Jesus, Jesus has a part of your work time. Jesus is part of your hobbies he's part of your enjoyment he's part of your family he's part of every area of your life you're asking him to help you eat right you know uh to to, to whatever it is and so jesus is at the center and, and that's what i want you i don't want you to think of it like first second place think of him as at the center of everything that you've got and uh and so uh, you know, that's why people are coming unglued. Let me tell you, if your core is weak, you're going to feel like you're coming unglued. You're, you're going you're gonna to be stressed to the max. And, and, uh, and if that's you, if that's the way you feel, something other than Jesus has got the spot of that hub. Uh, and so you've got to understand, it. something other than Jesus is at the center of your life. Because when Jesus is at the center of your life, he's going to influence, he's going to dictate, he's going he's to give you insight to do your work better. He's going he's gonna to help you do your recreation better. He's going to give you insight on that teenager you're trying to figure out. Uh, you know, all of that stuff will be better when Jesus is at the center. And Jesus summarized this in this scripture. He says this, Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously and he'll give you everything you need. So seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously and he'll... See, he wants to be at the center of your life. So what does it mean? I mean, just think about it. What does it mean to you to put him at the center of your life or to put God first in your life? And, uh, and, and so he will influence all those other areas when he's at the center. So we need to understand. Does that make sense? Am I making sense? Okay. He also said this, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. That's the first commandment. The second's like it. He said, Love your neighbor as yourself. And so he gave those two commandments. And, and so basically Jesus is saying, hey, look, here's what I want you to do. Love God, love people. Love God, love people. Go to work, love God, love people. Go play, go love God, love people. Go to the gym, love God, love people. Uh, and, and if you do those two things, it don't matter what else is on your to-do list. So, um, you know, we need to build our lives around Jesus. Number two, we've got to accept our humanity. Everybody say this with me. I'm not God. Say it again. I'm not God. God is. And so uh, we've got to stop pretending to be God. We don't know the answers and we can't solve all the problems. 
But when you play God, let me tell you something, you're overworking yourself, and, uh, and it's just not going to work out good for you. Ecclesiastes, Solomon said this. He said this, only someone too stupid to find his way home would wear himself out with work. <laughs> Anybody besides me, you ever been too stupid? to find? I mean, it's like you can't find your way home from work. Now, the only time I've ever been lost going home from anywhere, I was going home from Pastor Kathy's house one time before we got married, and I was sleepy. And I saw my street name, Beverly Garden Drive, where I lived at the time, and I turned. But there was two Beverly Garden Drives, one on one side of the interstate and one on the other. And I'm driving up, and I'm thinking, and these houses don't look right. And then, then I got to the end of it, and Veterans Boulevard was not there. And I'm going, and I'm going, what in the world? I had kind of dozed off sleeping and thought I'd already made the U-turn. But anyway, but he said, anybody that's too stupid to find their way home from work, only that person's going to wear himself out with work. In other words, God says, get some rest. Don't wear yourself out. And, and too many times we come home from work and we're so preoccupied or tired our wife wants us to be present. Our kids want us to be present. You know, my dad, no matter how tired he was, my brother and me would pester him to go out in the yard and play pitch, and he would. You know, and that's what we need to be. We've got to be there for our families. And, and uh, let me tell you, your workplace won't crumble when you leave. And my dad, when we were kids, he would cancel it. We'd go camping a lot. for We couldn't afford hotels. So we'd go camping a lot, and he... And I'll have, to, I'll have to scan this picture of our camp trailer we had. It was amazing. We made it. He could weld, and so it was quite the sight. But uh, we'd go camping, and, uh, and, and he would cancel one of those weekend trips if there was a storm supposed to come in because he was the head of the engineering department at the hospital where he worked, and, and he knew that if they had a power outage, he'd, have, he'd need to be there and because things would be running on generator and all that kind of stuff. And, and so he would cancel that, and when he... When, he, when, uh, when they let him go, they told him one day, uh, years later, he was a square peg in a round hole, and, uh, and they let him go. He had put in over a year of free time uh, to that place. And so, but you know what? When he did finally leave, because the board reinstated him and fired the guy that was doing that to him, but, but when he did finally leave, you know what that hospital did? It kept working, kept running. When I left uh, hospital work uh, many, many years ago, back in 91, uh, you know what? The hospital didn't close down the day I left. It kept going. And, uh, and so we've got to understand that. Don't work yourself to death. That's what God is saying here. The psalmist said this, You made my body, Lord. Now give me the sense to heed your laws. What is that? He's saying, give me the sense to eat right. Give me like Daniel did. He said, give me the sense to exercise. Give me the sense to treat my body right. You gave it to me, and don't let me abuse it. And uh, give me sense to heed your law. So we need, to, we need to do all of that. And so we want to uh, do that. So number three, write this one down. Limit my labor. In other words, get some rest. Can't work all the time. You, know, you and I, we've got to make a conscious decision, especially if you own your own business. You've got to decide, what are the normal hours I'm going to work? The problem people are having with working from home during COVID is, is delineating that line. It's, it's okay, well, I don't have to work this afternoon, I'll work tonight. Well, then your kids are wanting your attention, you know. And so it, it gets all crazy. You've got to determine what your hours are going to be. How long are you going to work? And, and, uh, and if you don't, uh, you'll never have time for anything, anything, even a bow. You know, if you, I was talking to a guy who's going to get his, he, well, he's getting a crossbow. But, but even if you bow hunt, if you don't let the st stress off that, unstring it every now and then, let it, 
it will lose its power. And so we've got to, everything's got to have some rest. And, uh, you know, and, if, and let me tell you, if you're a single parent, nobody works harder than a single parent. And, uh, I mean, because you've got, you've got work, then you pick the kids up, and then you, and what do they want? They want attention. You're trying to do homework. Uh, you're trying to cook. Uh, you, then it's bedtime. And, uh, you know, when I was a single dad and my daughter was real little, uh, I'd put her to bed and I'd go to sleep too. So I was in bed like 8.30 every night. I mean, you know, it was like news. What's the news? They didn't have Internet back then. And it was like, you know, but, but single parents, it's a rough thing. But you've got to figure out a way to get your rest. You've got to figure out a way to limit your labor. If you don't, uh, you'll pop. And, and, and let me tell you how important this is. Let me tell you how important rest is. God put it in one of, the, tis one of the Ten Commandments. Exodus 20, 9 through 10. He said, you have six days each, work for your ordinary, each week for your ordinary work. But the seventh day is a Sabbath day of rest dedicated to the Lord your God. Now, we get all wigged out over which day. I mean, there are people that will fight to the death on what day that is. Your Sabbath might be Monday, but you need to have a Sabbath. And, uh, and, and so... Uh, you, you've got to, I need to listen to myself on this one, but, you know, it, it's like Pastor Kathy and I, it's like, what is a day off? She's got three jobs. She works the church, the sheriff's office, and, and Revard Juvenile Detention. And, and never the three have the same day off. I mean, you know, but what do we do during the Sabbath? I mean, you know, Sabbath means, write this down, a day of rest. It's a day of rest. Jesus said this in Mark 2.27, the Sabbath was made to meet the needs of the people. What are the needs of the people? A day of rest. A day of rest. And so what do you do during the Sabbath? I put these in your notes. One, rest your body. Rest my body. You need to rest. You've got to take some time off. If you don't take some time off, your body's going to take some time off. Might be the flu, might be a cold, might be a heart attack, whatever it is, but your body will, will let you know. Uh, during the French Revolution... Uh, they outlawed the Sabbath in France. They said, we're going to work seven days. And they reinstated it because the people's productivity went down so bad because they were working with no time off. The economy of the nation and the health of the nation had collapsed. And so we weren't wired to work 24-7 all the time. You can do it for a little while, but you've got to get some rest. You've got to rest your body. And uh, sometimes the best thing you can do is take a nap. Now, your boss may not agree with that, but sometimes the best thing you can do is take that 20-minute power nap. Now, the second thing, besides rest your body, is recharge your emotions. Now, for some people, quiet and still does that. Others, sports does that. Uh, you know, not necessarily watching the Saints. I was reading, uh, you know, I get, I've got, got a text from a friend the other day when the Braves were winning in the playoffs. He said, go Braves, your mother must be talking to God. And they won the pennant last night, and so I know mom was talking to Jesus. But, uh, but uh, one guy said, I, I saw on Facebook, he said, don't let me. Okay. Um, somebody got on our frequency. And this guy said, let me never watch a Braves playoff game without my high blood pressure medicine. Well, I mean, it was like. Uh, you know, Mama would always turn the game off towards the end because she'd think they were going to lose anyway, and she couldn't bear to watch them lose. So, but whatever it is, it recharges your emotions. It might be playing sports. For me, it used to be running. Obviously, it's been a while from that. Now it's walking. I used to make fun of people that walked and thought it was exercise. Now I am one. Uh, then another thing, refocus your spirit. Refocus your spirit. 
The biblical word for that is worship. Worship. When we come together and worship, hopefully if you've ever come in here and you were uh, uh, maybe depressed or anxious or whatever, I hope after you worshiped, you left with some peace, understanding that we serve a God that loves you and can take care of each one of us. And, uh, and so you might do that, in, obviously, in church. I'd do that a lot of times when I'd walk on the levee years ago, and I'd be out there, and, and you just thank God because you see the beauty of his creation. So those are three things we need to do. Number four, write this down. We've got to adjust my values. And to balance out your life, you've got to change the way you think. Instead of allowing your thoughts to get out of balance, focus your thoughts on what God wants. And let him change your thoughts where they need to be changed. See, too often we want to major on minor things. We want to, we want to major, and, and it's easy. So I, you know, I've got to work. I've got to go out and, and make more. I've got to get more, whatever, buy a bigger car, bigger house, whatever. And, I mean, it's tempting. You know, we're, we were looking at cars, and, and uh, we're looking at cars, and it's easy to start looking at bigger, bigger cars and bigger, bigger price tags. And it's like, man, I don't want to pay what I paid for my first house and a car, you know, and and uh, any of that. So it's, it's easy to get caught up in that you've got to allow God to change your thoughts. See, one of the biggest things that causes stress is the materialism of our society. I've got to keep up with the Joneses or, or whoever, you know. I've got to keep up with them. Here's what Solomon, the wisest man uh, to live other than Jesus, said. I've absolutely learned that while people work so hard to succeed, it's because they envy their neighbors. But it's useless. It's like chasing the wind. So you need to spend all your time trying to keep up with somebody that looks on the outside like they've got it all, or you can let it go, not worry about them, and be happy with what you've got and be not stressed. You can either have the stress of keeping up with them or not be stressed. Let me tell you, but you can't have both at the same time because you're going to be stressed if you keep chasing the wind. Somebody one time said, we, we buy things we don't need with money we don't have to impress people we don't even like. I mean, you know, if you think about it, there's some truth in that statement. I mean, at some point, we've got to get off that, that Ferris wheel and that, that, that wheel and, and say enough is enough. I'm getting out of the rat race. Listen, even if you win the rat race, you're still a rat. <laughs> Jesus said this, what good is it for someone to gain the whole world yet forfeit their soul? He might add to that, what good is it for somebody to gain the whole world and forfeit their family and forfeit their kids and forfeit their health? See, you can gain everything but lose everything. And one of the reasons that uh, I think in America we have such a hard time relaxing is we confuse our work and our worth. You know, uh, there was a time when if you had asked me, you know, who are you? I, I'm, I'm the director of such and such. And I'm just Robert. You know, and a friend of mine, matter of fact, worked for me in Youth for Christ named John. I took him to meet a doctor that was on our board one time and and he said, oh, man, I didn't know you were a doctor. And the guy said, I'm not a doctor. I'm just Jay. I'm a child of God. Doctor's what I do. And when I make enough money doing it to be able to quit, I'll quit. It's not who I am. See, we confuse what we do with who we are. And they're separate. They're separate. Your worth has to do with the value of who God made you to be, who God made you to be. You need to understand that. Uh, maybe you grew up with this false concept that says, hey, you'll never be anything. You'll never measure up. You're a loser. You're worthless. You don't matter. You're not worth, we used to say it in Georgia, you're not worth diddly squat. You know, I mean, uh, you know, maybe you've had that said to you. I mean, 
You know, and, and then what happens is you say, I'm going to show them. And you work yourself to death to prove to somebody who don't even care anymore that you're worth something, that you're not a loser, that, you're, that you are worth diddly squat. And you, you kill yourself trying to prove them wrong. You, you got to get rid of that idea. Base your worth and your value on who God says you are. And the fact that he loved you so much that he sent his son Jesus to pay your ticket. He paid your ticket for your sins. He paid the price for your sins. And, uh, and so Solomon also said this. He's a pretty smart guy. He said it's better to have only a little with peace of mind than be busy all the time with both hands trying to catch the wind. So you need to learn. We've got to, it's better to have a little. And, and he doesn't say what a little is. A little might be a little. A little might be more for some people. But it's better to, to be content with what you've got. He's not saying don't work hard, don't do all this. Not what I'm saying. And this isn't against having money. Uh, but, but when you're chasing the wind, when that's your goal, he said it's better to have only a little with peace of mind. Listen, the greatest things in life aren't things at all. It's better to have your family, your peace of mind, and your sanity uh, than all kinds of possessions. Doesn't matter, doesn't matter how much you have. At the end of your life, the only person you, you, you don't want to hear a report about all your money when you're on your deathbed. You don't want to hear uh, how your company's doing. What you want is your wife there holding your hand, telling you how much she loves you and, and your kids around you. That's what you want at the end of life. You know, uh, you don't want to be that person that's always saying, you know, I wish I'd have gotten to know God better. I wish I'd have spent more time with my children. Adjust your values. Adjust your values. Number five, write this down. Nourish my inner life. This is one we all ignore, right? Stephen Covey t said this is sharpening the saw. If you've ever read Stephen Covey's books and, and his planning system and everything, sharpening the saw is taking care of yourself. You've got to do these things for yourself. And, and, and he, he goes through each area of your life doing that. It's, but that's what you've got to do. See, God put a purpose in each one of us, a fire in our belly that causes us to get up every day. And if you don't nurture that, that fire's going to go out. And then you're going to be trying to meet other people's needs uh, with cold embers of a fire that went out instead of a flaming fire and passion uh, and zeal that you've got. Solomon, uh, Song of Solomon, it says this, Don't look down on me because of my color, because the sun has tanned me. My brothers are angry with me and made me work in the vineyard. I had no time to care for myself. In other words, he was too busy to take care of him. He was too busy to take care of himself. You know, and, and listen, we can probably all relate to this at some point in our lives. I mean, when you feel that way, it's a warning light going off. It doesn't matter what your job is. It doesn't matter what you're doing. Uh, you've got to learn to take care of yourself. It's easy when you wake up and start thinking of your to-do list. It's easy, you know. I mean, it's easy for me. I'll get up and start thinking, i got to work on my message instead of just looking at my devotional times and those things of what's God saying to me, not to me for you. And, uh, and so uh, we've got we've to take care of ourselves. We've got to nurture our inner self. See, part of loving God is your neighbor, loving your neighbor as yourself is loving yourself. And let me tell you, the way some of y'all love yourself, if, if you loved your neighbors that way, your neighbor would move. <laughs> I mean, you know. Uh, it, we got to do a little bit of it. You know, it's, it's kind of like it, when you're not loving yourself, it's kind of like your car. You know, car maintenance isn't waiting for the light to come on and the motor to quit and calling the tow truck to take it. You know, what, don't be like the guy who, 
didn't know he was supposed to get new tires every now and then, and he, his tires got so bald, one of them had a bubble coming out. And, and somebody, one of his friends said, hey, man, you got a balloon coming out of the side of your tire. And he said, oh, really? He said, yeah. And, and, and what happens is our life gets that way. We, we don't take care of ourselves, and we're like that tire where a bubble comes out, and if somebody touches it, it just explodes and hurts the people around us. We've got to not do that. I mean, how do you know that? If you're irritable all the time, if the least little thing bothers you, if you can't handle anybody disagreeing with you, if you can't handle a, de a delay or an interruption or even a red light, uh, that's a sign you're not nourishing your inner life. And you've got you've to, God's saying we need to change that. See, our culture wants us, encourages us to live this out-of-whack life because our culture said if we look good on the outside, it's okay. How many of y'all have a current picture of yourself on Facebook? Mine's 20 years old. You look at that picture of me, that's like in the early 90s, mid-90s. That picture on, on my Facebook page. Some of y'all with me, you didn't, nobody raised their hand. You got a current picture of We don't put bad-looking pictures of ourselves on Facebook. Matter of fact, I'll take a picture. I can't post anything with my wife in it because she has to inspect it first. And, uh, and, and you know, and so, uh, you know, none of us want to put, and that's what our culture is. It's like, you know, nobody cares about the inside. It's about how good I look. I, it doesn't matter that I'm empty, that I'm hurting, that, uh, you know, as long as my house looks good, my car looks good, you know, what good is all that if I'm filled with bitterness and rage and death in my life? Let me ask you, what are you neglecting in your life right now because you're too busy? Think about that. What are you neglecting in your life right now because you're too busy? And let me just say this again. I'm not talking against work. Some of us... I mean, I'm a recovering workaholic, but, but I work. I'll work a lot. But what if you stop paying attention to? If you stop paying attention to exercise for yourself? Uh, what about eating right? We're finding out eating good takes a whole lot more time than eating not good, you know, and takes some planning. And, uh, you know, at restaurants, you've got to be careful what you pick out because you've got to pick something they're cooking from scratch, you know, and stuff like that. What about relaxation and rest? If you cut that out, maybe, maybe time with your kids or time with your family or maybe, maybe uh, you know, worship. Maybe you've, you've cut that out or prayer. What have you stopped doing because you're just too busy? We took some chaplains from Billy Graham out to eat the other day. The guy asked us, what do you do for fun? He hit me between the eyes because I had a long list of stuff that I used to do for fun. I used to play tennis. I used to play golf. I used to run. I used to work out, you know, all those things, you know. Before seminary, I liked to read. I even had a list while I was in seminary, things I want to read when I get to pick what I want to read, uh, you know, and, and stuff like that. Chuck Swindoll wrote in one of his many books, he said this. Uh, he went in somebody's home, and, and they had a mantle. Something was written on it over the fireplace. It said, if your heart is cold, my fires cannot warm you. If your heart is cold, my fires cannot warm you. It's a bigger house won't warm your heart. A nicer car won't warm your heart. Even an iPhone 13 Pro Max. <laughs> Midnight color won't warm your heart. What will warm your heart, though, is reconnecting with the Lord. What will warm your heart is reconnecting with Jesus. Look what the psalmist said. I will delight in your decrees. 
and not forget your word. And, and, and listen, after, after these words, David wrote words like that all through the Psalms. And, and after he wrote those, uh, even Jesus referred to David as a man after God's own heart. He made mistakes. He wasn't perfect. But he said, David is a man after God's own heart. I mean, if you're, if you're finding your fires are going out and, and you just don't have that flame in you, that purpose, you've got to reconnect with Jesus. It's just like going back to the basics. I love Revelation 2.5. Jesus is telling his church, he said, look how far you've fallen. Turn back to me and do the works you first did. How many of you remember when you first came to faith in Christ? Man, you were fired up. You couldn't wait to read your Bible. You couldn't wait to spend time in prayer. You'd go, I remember going to Bible studies the last three hours. Now, after 15 minutes, I'm going, you know, got my watch to vibrate, you know, when it's time to leave or something, you know. And, and, and so, but he's saying go back and do the things that you used to do. In other words, we want to reconnect with the Lord. We've got to sharpen that saw and, and connect into the Lord and nourish in our inner self as part of that. And we've got to do that. And, uh, and so... Look what Jesus said about uh, staying balanced, what he did to stay balanced. In Luke 5, 15, it says, This news about Jesus spread even more. In other words, he became famous. Large crowds gathered to hear him. He didn't even have the Internet to get people to come together. He'd just go walking around. These big crowds would come out and find him. He says this. And he could have, look, he could have, he could have got, let that kind of get to him a little bit. You know, I mean, and, uh, but he didn't. He said they came to hear him. And have their diseases cured, but he would go away to places where he could be alone for prayer. Folks, we got to take care of ourselves, and sometimes you got to get by yourself, and and just you and God. You got to reconnected with the Lord. And number six, I'm gonna step on some toes again. Commit my schedule to the Lord. Commit my schedule to the Lord every day. We need to commit our schedule to. To God, knowing, hey, listen, that oftentimes he doesn't cooperate with our plan. I mean, some of y'all are list makers, right? Some of y'all have a list, and making a list is on your list. I mean, and, and some of us need to be list makers. But, but uh, you know, often God will mess with your list. I mean, you put those appointments on your calendar, and you got that list of to-dos, and, and God will mess with your list. And if you're like me, it drives you crazy when that happens, you know, and... Uh, and, but, you know, there's always going to be interruptions. There's always going to be inconveniences. There's always going to be irritations. And it gets stressful. But when it happens, we've got to give that to the Lord and just be able to roll with it. Look what the psalmist said, Psalms 31, 15. He said, my times are in your hands. My time is in God's hands. Sometimes I may not like it, but the, the, you know what? When God interrupts your list, just realize that God's got your time. And roll with it. You know, last Tuesday is Tuesday's usually my prep day for Wednesday. I'm finishing off the notes that you get to see and uh, getting the bulletin ready and everything ready for people people to stuff it and all that. But last Tuesday, I was laying on a stretcher in a in a, in a hospital all day long, waiting on an angiogram to happen. Now I wasn't thinking, man, I need to get out of here and get those notes ready. I, I need to go get the bulletin ready. I'm sitting there thinking. And I hope this doctor will find out what's wrong with my heart, and I'll be okay. And, uh, you know, and stuff like that. And so God had a little interruption for me. He does that. He has interruptions. Matthew 9, there's a story of Jesus. He's on his way to heal, heal a dying child. Uh, and on his way to heal this little girl, 
a woman with a chronic illness that she's had for over 20 years uh, stops, stops him, and he heals her. And if you're like me, it's like, he could have just come back to her. I mean, you know, I don't want the little girl to die, you know. And, uh, but he stops and heals her. And, uh, and, and, and so uh, you know, the Bible doesn't answer why he couldn't, she couldn't wait. But, um, but God knows where we're supposed to be, see. Jesus knew that he was where he was supposed to be. That was an interruption, and he did a miracle. And then he did another miracle. And so Jesus was flexible, and we need to learn to be flexible as well. Now, for you list makers, that's going to drive you crazy. That's going. If I were your therapist, I would tell you to do something that's not on your list tomorrow. You know, uh, you know. But if if you want to get your stress level down, we've got to be flexible. We've got to be bendable, and and allow God to direct your schedule. It's one of the hardest things for me. I mean, it was ingrained in me during daytime hours. You go to work. You know, I, my, my dad was work. When I worked for my dad, he's the worst boss I ever had. And, uh, you know, and it was like, I mean, I'd come running in the parking lot. I was one of those guys, if I caught a red light on the way to work when I was working where he was working, I would, uh, I'd, I'd be late. I'd come running from the car to the time clock. I would hurdle the loading dock. And, uh, and he would go, he'd be looking at his watch. You're not going to make it, boy. And, man, I'd hit that clock, yes, on time, you know. And, uh. And so, but it, it was ingrained in me. During the daytime, you work. Then I met Pastor Kathy. We'd go to lunch, and I'm thinking, okay, hour's up. I'm ready to go back to work. And she'd go, let's go to the dollar store. It'd give me a twitch. It'd drive me crazy. You know, she's, most of the time she's buying glasses for the prison but uh, at the dollar store. But, but I mean, you know, it, uh, or maybe I would, I'd be... You know, working, I said, I need to run to the East Bank to do a, a, do a, to pick something up. And she said, oh, well, I'll go with you. We can eat something over there. I'm thinking, 15 minutes over, 15 minutes back. Now it's two hours over and back and, and stuff like that. And, you know, I wasn't taking into account, hey, working until 9 or 10 at night, three nights a week, should count for some of this because it was ingrained. See, we got to be able to be flexible with our schedule and give it to God. And, and, and so... You know, it's taken a long time for me to get past that idea and to allow God to have control of my schedule. But, uh, you know, we've had some significant meetings with people that were on some of those side trips that I was thinking, i got to get back to work. But Jesus had a different idea over here. And so we got to give our schedules to Jesus. And God has a plan that sometimes we don't ever see or we don't often see. Solomon said in Ecclesiastes, he said, for everything there's a season and a time for every activity under heaven. Here's one last thing most of us don't do. Enjoy each moment. Enjoy each moment. Now, I mean, I said this before. If we only have enough time to do what God wants, love people and love others and love him, then, then that's good. But if, here's the thing, too. If you have more on your to-do list than you can get done, it means either you're doing something God didn't want you to do or you're doing something... That's taking you too long to do and you need to do it differently. God will not give you a list of things to do that are his will for you to do and then not give you the time to do it. He'll give you the time, the skill, the power, the money when he's called you to do something. So some of the things on your list, maybe you're doing, maybe they're not God's doing. Uh, and God doesn't expect you to do stuff that he's not asked you to do. 
Maybe you're wasting time in some areas, but and I'm not saying we shouldn't be good stewards of our time. We do need to be good stewards of our time. But regardless, we need to enjoy the moment. Anybody like me, when you're traveling, you're going somewhere, it's like, i got to get there. I mean, when I go see my parents up in Rome, Georgia, it's about a, for most normal people, seven hours. I would, I would always try and set a record. When I would pull into a gas station, it looked like Richard Petty's pit crew. I mean... <laughs> I mean, I'm, I got the gas thing in the car. I go in, go to the bathroom, get me some more coffee, some crackers, peanut butter crackers, and I'm back in the car and on the road. And then I met Pastor Kathy. <laughs> and I learned that there's these places called Cracker Barrel. <laughs> and you go there, and it's nice. They have clean restrooms, but they have shopping. And, and, and so, you, do, you, know, and so you know, what happens is, is we've got to learn to enjoy the trip you've ever wondered what's in some of those little bee towns you go flying through i mean might be something good i don't know there but there's a cracker barrel in most of them so i mean you know uh we've we, we got to learn to enjoy the moment maybe we need to all be able to stop and smell the roses or shop at cracker barrel i don't know but uh you know i i could tell you one time we used to go from here to to uh uh south carolina uh to a Youth for Christ training school, and there were 17 Cracker Barrels between here and there, and we stopped at every one of them. And uh, and so uh, I don't think we we used to not pass those. Every now and then I get her to pass one, you know. Uh, so we need to we need to smell the roses and shop at Cracker Barrel every now and then. All of us should eat and drink and enjoy what we've worked for. Ecclesiastes says, "It's God's gift." So, man, you've worked hard for what you've got. You need to enjoy it. You know, what happens too often is, is we, we, we get something, and then we're already looking at next, at next. You know, we get caught up uh, by when and then thinking. When I get this, this raise, then I'll be able to, to take it easy. But then you're going for the next promotion. When I have kids, then I'll be able to take it easy. Anybody ever had that false idea? I mean, you know, and then you have the kids. And then now it's when the kids move out and they're living and they're making grandbabies, then I'll have time. Then they bring all 15 of them to your house, you know, or whatever. And, and, and so it's when and then thinking because when we get there, we're already looking at the next thing. We're never going to be uh, happy. You know, when I was in seminary, the professors would constantly tell us, some of you guys are saying, I'm going to wait till I get my degree to start my ministry. He said, you're waiting four years to start your ministry. Do your ministry now. Do your ministry now where you're planted. And when he moves you, you do your ministry there. And, and so it's not when and then. We've got we've to understand, you know, uh, that we're not going to be happy when we get somewhere if we're not enjoying the moment. Listen, the goal of our lives is not acquisition. The goal in our life is not just to have as much fun as you can have either. You're placed on this earth for a purpose for God. Now, here's what I believe. I believe we were put here to know God. We're put here in this church to find freedom, discover your purpose, and to make a difference in people's lives. And, uh, and, and so look at this. Proverbs says this, a relaxed attitude lengthens a man's life. In other words, a stress-free life lengthens your life. Stress, the opposite of that, would uh, means we're shortening our life. Now, there's three types of fatigue, real quick. There's physical, that's when your muscles get tired, emotional, when your emotions get tired and spiritual 
That's when your heart dries up and you just don't feel close to God. You don't feel like he's answering your prayers. Physical fatigue's easy. You cure that with a nap, rest, or whatever. It takes a little more to, to get your emotional and your spiritual fatigue. If your spirit's dried up, a vacation's not going to fix it. A vacation's going to rest your body, may help your emotional state a little bit, uh, just to be away. But when you get back, the same things are here. Let me tell you, when your spirit is tired, you've got to plug back into the Lord. You've got to plug back into your power source. You've got to plug into your power source. You know, if, if we unplugged these the sounds, these speakers up here, they wouldn't work, which I thought we was going to have to unplug one a minute ago. But, but, uh, but when they're connected to the power, they work. When we're connected to the power, we can do what God's called us to do. We can do what God's... You've got to put Jesus back at the center of your life. As a believer, it's easy. We can take Jesus out of the center. We do that all the time. You can, you can uh, put a relationship there, money there, job there, hobbies, family, even ministry there. But if it's not Jesus, you're missing it. You're going to be powerless because you've unplugged yourself. So you've got to get plugged back in. You've got to get plugged back in. It all boils down to there's a couple of reasons we get out of whack. Our lives get out of whack. We're trying to do too much, and we're doing it on our own power. Jesus wants us to plug into him so we can do it in his power. Both of them will kill you. I used to say this, my candle burns at both ends. It will not last the night. But oh, my friends and oh, my foes, it gives a pretty light. Sounds good. Let me tell you something, that's stupid. I was stupid when I said that. But I was burning it at both ends. And let me tell you, you've got to get plugged into the power. And, and, and here's what Jesus does. He offers an exchange program. Look what he says in Matthew. He said, come to me, all you who are tired and, and have heavy load, and I'll give you rest. Now, does he say, hey, come to me, all you who are tired and have heavy load, and I'm going to give you more to do? No, he doesn't say that. You know, he, he doesn't say, I'm going to give you more. He said, you know, and that's what a lot of people are afraid of. They're, they're afraid if they commit their life to the Lord, he's going to give them a bunch of stuff to do that they don't want to do. I know people that are afraid if they commit their life to the Lord, he's going to send them to New Orleans as a missionary, you know I mean? Uh, you, you, you've got to, people are afraid, but he doesn't say that. He said, if you've got a heavy load and you're tired physically, emotionally, spiritually, if you come to me, I'm going to give you rest. Some of y'all are tired. And then he said, accept my teachings. Learn from me because I'm gentle and humble in spirit. And you'll find rest for your lives. And look what he says in verse 30. The burden I ask you to accept is easy. The load I give you to carry is light. I've been practicing carrying light things. Doctor said I couldn't pick up more than five pounds this week. Tomorrow I can officially pick up more than five pounds. But the load Jesus gives us is light. And let me tell you, if you're carrying a load, the band's going to come up. We're just going to have a little time. If you're carrying a load that's, that's heavy, it's not from Jesus. Jesus doesn't put a heavy load on it. Jesus doesn't put a heavy load on he doesn't, he doesn't. He doesn't tell you to carry all this stuff. He says, hey, look, I'll carry your load. What I want to ask, I just want you to bow your emotional burden about your children or whatever. Whatever it is, you know you've got something you're carrying. You need to give it to Jesus. I just want you to slip your hands up in the 